Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the second part of my conversation with Mark Stewart, co-founder of creative agency Rare. In this episode, we delve into the key business structures and decisions that Mark and Pete have implemented to enable and support the calibre of the work they've been consistently producing over two and a half decades. I hope you enjoy it. Given, uh, if we look at where we are today, given your business is the, the well-oiled machine it is <laughs> what would you say were some of the key business decisions that have carried you to to this day probably looking at where we were at and going to business partners and saying we want the opportunity to take the business over that was probably the, the main decision that we made and we really wanted to you know it took a few months of talking about it and that was probably the key to be able to go out on our own knowing that you've got no one behind you that they're not there quite scary but once you know it's on you then you can actually make decisions that you maybe weren't going to make before that was probably the main one and i think taking outside advice from a company and it's quite confronting having your staff interviewed individually we had a lot of staff then, a lot of reports coming back. You know, okay, we'll take that on the chin. And you have to, you have to. And I think the learning is that you need to learn. You need to be able to take the criticism. You need to be able to talk to your team. Your team has to be able to be honest with you. And they felt comfortable because they've actually done it a number of times over the years. You know, we've still got staff from that PwC review working for us. Which is pretty... 12, 13 years later. That's shown that, you know, in the early days, we didn't have that connection. We weren't great leaders. We weren't talking to the team until we understood that we needed to be better leaders and business people and that our team is business. I'd like to get back into the business structure and hierarchy at just a bit further down the track. I'd like to also talk about business partners. So, you know, yourself and Pete now leading the business. What was the dynamic like in the early days? There was sometimes the clarity between roles was not that clear. Oh, yeah. And, and I think we've been working together for 21 years. 21 years. Longer than I've been married or, yeah. or he's been married. <laughs> We were good mates when we started. We'd go to the gym, work very closely together for a number of years. I think during the GFC it was quite stressful because we knew we needed... Everyone heard the world was going to end. And that was quite stressful because, again, not having that business experience, you need that outside influence. And I think because we had never really sat down, clarified our roles, understood what we wanted to do with Rare, all those decisions came out of that. You know, Pete and I, we probably get on better now than, than we ever have. You know, and we've had children. We've got five kids between us in their late teens. There's, you know, there's probably less running to soccer training and coaching, which we've done a lot of over the years. So we've got a little bit more time to, to sit. And, and in those early days, we didn't have directors' meetings. You know, we didn't look at P&Ls. The can go, you had a good year? And we're like, okay. Or you had a bad year? We're like, oh, okay. Because we're just very work-focused. And I think that's probably been a benefit for our clients because we're not focused on the end, we're focused on them and delivering for them. Profitability will come out of that if we do the right job for them. It's been a journey, I mean, that's for sure, and it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. So it's yin and yang. I mean, he's very creative focused. You know, I shared with you the the Hudson brochure, which was one of the first campaigns ever done in Australia in the 90s. You know, getting models into um, 
display suites getting photographed in campaigns and doing key rings made of steel because it was an old steel mill and you know that creative ability you, you see it through our staff have come through here and gone to other agencies and you see that through through the industry mm. in, in some some elements we did the um, biggest sign top of the town it was 11 stories high mm. first project in green square Rockpool on the northern beaches australia towers first one in the olympic park after the olympics everyone said it was going to be a white elephant aurora in canberra kingston foreshore when no one knew how to reactivate that space. So um, Harrington Grove, you know, one of the best land subdivisions in the southwest when that corridor wasn't, was all still farmland. It's been a great journey and you see, we have a lot of shared experiences and I think that's a great thing about what we do is that even today we still are excited about what's the next project because every project we do is completely different. The architect, the builder, the developer and then what we do for them is different. So there's always a motivation I'm guessing that's where the energy can be maintained because while you're still producing super high quality work, you're always it's always varied in terms of what you're going to get for a project. Correct, yeah, correct, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what keeps it fresh. We've we've just won a you know an international company's pointed us over some other agencies for project in Brisbane for repositioning. You know, and even clients that are our clients have you know come back and go right. I need new ideas. I need what's the problem. And then we'll try and find the solution through the branding and the communication and that, and then that content and then responding to that. Pete's obviously creative director. We've got art directors and senior designers that work alongside him. Our business has always had a fairly flat structure with creative where at one point Pete probably had seven designers in the mid 2015s that could all do branding. But when they joined us, none of them had done branding. So a lot of agencies, you'll get a creative director and a senior art director that will do the brand and will pass it on and you'll get the designers who will do the artwork and, and the layout side. With our business, we've always made sure everyone does branding because if they're sitting in isolation on a computer going, I've just got to create a signboard and get a sign in production on Friday, there's a complete disconnect. So. In terms of our creative team, it's fairly flat. You know, they'll push back on ideas and that's that's the whole process of what we do. It's all collaboration. So, so Pete's got art directors, designers, and then we've got a digital team in-house. So we've had a digital team for quite a few years. Last year during COVID, we realised a lot of things were going digital. Pete and I don't have that technical background. We've got a lot of understanding of having run 80, 90 websites for several years. We got some external consultants to come in and manage our digital team for us and we've completely you know we've invested you know with all the time and everything probably six figures changing our digital business completely in 12 months they help maintain our digital side of the business and then we've got pete myself and account manager run projects we've got a couple people remote now during covid that are overseas for family reasons the whole world's quite disrupted and um, we've had to respond and be a lot more dynamic as a business so that's the sort of hierarchy pete and i we've realized that the benefit of our business is is us and obviously pete with the ideas and myself with experience of delivering the project so when we when we pitch or we meet clients you know the benefit is they get both of us as directors and owners of the company working on their projects, I think in this day and age is, is proven to be quite important to have that experience and have you know someone that's got skin in their business talking to them about their business, which is really important. 
Just wondering, on the point of getting people involved in the branding, did it take a lot to be able to, not to delegate that design role, but to give that freedom to, to somebody? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not easy, yeah, right? Correct. Especially for a creative. Correct, it is. The creative industry is interesting because you're dealing with intangibles. I can touch this, but I can't touch the $2 million apartment that you're telling me off this little floor plan I'm going to buy. That's a challenge in terms of what we do. That came out of that report we got, and one of the feedbacks was that there was probably less collaboration at that point. Pete would come up with the ideas and it was more of a traditional process. It's not to say if you're a junior designer, you're going to create a brand and that's going to go to the client. We might brief in two or three people. They all might come up with some ideas and Pete will then go, well, these are the ones that need to go forward. And through that process, then that designer can see what the client's accepted and what they haven't. That's a challenge of what we do because creatively, what you think is a great idea might not help sell a project. So there's a balancing act between what I look at and what Pete looks at. But yeah, we've always made sure everyone has an opportunity. I think that's one of the biggest things we've done is you don't get a job role and stay in that job role at Rare. Everyone's progressed while they've been here. We're very big on training procedures, got some big procedures manuals, you know, we've now turned that all into online videos where staff can watch how they should pre-press files for production and how they should set up websites and servers and hosting. And in the last 12 months, we've gone the other way where all our staff within the business pretty much can deliver digital assets, whether that be video content or designers have been retrained into web. And we've got a um, platform which doesn't rely on a coder sitting there to build the site anymore, but everyone has the ability within the business to create digital websites and content. As I said earlier, getting consultants in, we had a change management consultant two years ago, review what we were doing. As I say, we've had creative consultants, we've flown up from Melbourne, we had a HR consultant, review our policies, um, also talk to our staff. In terms of training, the business has been retrained in the last 12 months digitally. All our digital team are working in a different way. We've got better backup systems if one person's coding on a website previously, they're the only person that would might understand that code. Now anyone can go into a site that we build. If someone was away, everyone can access the same files, which we couldn't do before. It's quite a unique process. It's not an easy thing to have three people working on a site remotely at the same time, but they have the ability to do that. So we've retrained in that process. And then, you know, we've had a new account manager join recently. I've had to remind myself how to train how I'd like a role done, not in COVID. And, and that's been a challenge because the world is quite different. People want to have meetings again, face-to-face, -face, which is really important for what we do. We're having to do training with that. And, you know, we always ask, is there anything you need to learn? Is there anything we can do? Is there any training, books we can buy you, online courses? And it's noticeable, people can find it confronting to be asked by an employer. You know, self-development's not always something people think about. I wanted to step outside of the rare sphere for a second here and, and ask you a couple of questions about the industry insights, some of your experience as to what makes you know, a successful campaign. We've figured out there's a process that we, we use that works yep. and we know it works. Not everyone wants to follow it and, and their results can vary. I think in terms of what works for us is the control of pretty much, that can sound quite full on, but I think if we have control of an entire campaign for a client, we've got that responsibility. And I think from the early days where, when Pete was in Brookvale, we had printing machines below him, he was going to a press, checking brochures getting printed. He, we were with signage guys making the signs and we understand production really well. We've got photographers that work in-house, Pete writes copy, CGI management we've done for 15 years, video we manage. So 
If a client comes to us and wants a rare campaign, it all starts with the brand, that single-minded idea for how we're going to explain your project, tell your story to a buyer, to be engaged, to come in, speak to the agent, and then hopefully give you some money without being able to see what it is they're buying. But the critical elements that, that get wrapped into that is the, the content that we're going to use to create anything. So the 3Ds, the video, the photography, the view shoots, the aerial photography is really important. The copywriting, what is the product, the CGI, all of that with the brand, we can create a sign, a website, a social campaign. If any of those elements, if a client says, oh, I've taken some shots, I'm, you know, I'll send them to you or I'll write the copy and so on. As soon as we lose that control, then that's where we may not be able to deliver the best outcome for them. So I think that's probably a critical thing. We're happy if clients want to, I mean, and that, that happens regularly, and the results are still good, but to get the best out of us, responsibility is a big thing. If I know I'm delivering a brochure, I'm at the printers, we're talking to the printers, if I've got a sign installed, I'm in the display suite, we're there when the installation teams are going in, we're there when the builders are building the display because that's one of the challenges with Off The Plan is the display suite's quite critical because it's one of the only elements. Everything we do brings buyers to the agent to start to liaise to get that sales process happening, but the display centre is where the buyer goes, oh, okay, so this is what my $2 million or million bucks is gonna get me, and they can go into you know Mercedes showroom, hop in a car, have a coffee, drive it, park it, touch it, and it's sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, whereas what we're doing is getting people to come in and go through a process where they might give up a million dollars, yet they've got a floor plan and a 3D to look at. It's quite a unique sales process when you think about it because we're selling a dream, and that's why the branding is so important. And so it's vertical integration, making sure that you can control each of the layers so that it's all cohesive. Well, with that brand, I think the story... Then we look at the 3Ds, we look at the plans, because we understand from that co-creation process, which is something we're quite big on working with the client's team, that gives us a really good opportunity to understand all the key selling points for the project. And then we know when we're looking at everything, what we can glean out of that to really run the marketing through and the content messaging. Pretty key idea of the co-creation. So do you find the process works best when, say, the developer has their own views as, that they bring to the table as well? Or are you sometimes lumped with, okay, I've got a site, you know, can you make it look pretty? All, always. Look, that's part of yeah. off the plan because everyone in construction and development has their own idea. I think all property developers are quite visionary because they're taking the biggest risk. You know, everything we do is risks and architects come up with an idea, but we've got to make sure we can drive a brand that delivers inquiry. The agent's need that inquiry to do their job and sell and then and then the developer's got to make sure he's got a construction cost that's feasible and yeah. you know value management doesn't take out all the things that we've we've tried to sell up front and deliver that product to the to the end purchaser so it's a very interesting process when you think about it but I think that's why we need to understand as much as possible up front talking to the architects and that that co-creation purpose is is really critical for us I'd like to understand a bit more about the impacts of technology on the branding and, and marketing side of things. So obviously when you first started, there's a lot of print, uh, it's all print. Would you say the impacts of primarily digital technology is quite a positive thing on, on marketing or does it take away from the, the fact that some, having something tangible when it's still just a, an idea in the air, as in the, the property development isn't delivered yet, what, what would you say is sort of been the impact of technology on? It's positive because it's progression and I think it's evolution. You can't hold that back. The challenge with it is it moves very quickly and it changes very quickly. We did a project called York and George in 2014 and we built a floor plan online management system with touchscreens then with our digital team. We didn't 
repurpose it into its own business. But now there's businesses that offer those products. There's lots of companies out there doing lots of different tech. The challenge with technology, everything was about Facebook a few years ago, now it's about Google, now it's you know YouTube, and then it's this display thing or that display, floor plan systems. It's really busy space, and, and I think the challenge for all of us is what is the right product and what will it evolve to? With digital, we've, we've got a digital team and it's growing and we've had that for years. What we do with property marketing is nothing ever changes from the branding idea. We still need to come up with that idea to have a buyer get engaged with the project. And then thinking back to when we started, you know, it was a CGI, there was some copy explaining that offering to someone, but it was on paper. It was in a brochure, it was on a signboard. Now that CGI and that copy explaining that offering is created into a video on social media platform or on a website, goes out in an email. What we do hasn't changed, it's just how it's being delivered to the end. Potential purchaser is changing and it's obviously evolving. So that's why we've been able to stay relevant because even after 25 years, it's the ideas, that's what our business is. Everything else is the delivery mechanism for those ideas. It'll probably change again. You know, we used to do media. We stopped doing media with social because it, because social media is, is so so detailed in what you're doing and you have to be so on it uh, on a regular basis. We just do the content side. We do some social media, but we're, we're looking at partnering with someone from Europe with, with AI, which is going to be the future of social marketing as well. So, you know, machine learning, profiling. But what we put out there to those people to understand what the product offering is of, of the purchase won't change that doesn't change because yeah. it's still an apartment somewhere that they need to understand the benefits of that apartment and what's gone into it and what's going into it and the technology is certainly helping explain that a lot better in terms of augmented reality walkthrough animations guided walkthroughs that's all definitely helping but it doesn't show the purchaser or give them that surety of what does my kitchen look like and feel like but do you find though that the idea needs to be concept and the branding needs to be tailored to i guess the speed at which technology travels because like my point of view is people's attention span these days is so small and and it's so fleeting as in like you're literally flicking with your thumb how do you make someone stick that's the communication side of the medium so you've got to find other mediums and i think during covid you know people go oh print's dead but the older purchases that tend to be the majority of Australians that have the money to buy apartments, they still have grown up in a world where tangibility is, is realism. And if they don't get a brochure and they don't get printed tangible content, they feel like there's something, if it's all online and I can't actually touch something, something not quite right, I might give it a miss. So in terms of the speed of that information going out there, during COVID, we started doing direct mails again. People were stuck at home. People would go to the letterbox and they could pick up something, read, holding it, so their attention spans there longer, go to the website and feel more engaged. So we saw spikes on Google Analytics of traffic when direct mails went out. Whenever we've done direct mail campaigns, people do respond to them because there is so much social content. So as you say, flicking through Facebook and so on, well then is that the right medium? Is it the right forum to get your message to purchases and and, and that's where AI is going to help in the future. But I guess it's also where your experience lies in that you can you guys know what actually would be best for that project. Definitely. I mean, that's the thing. Clients can come to us. We had a meeting yesterday with someone. We were able to give them insights on what's worked in the last few months, what's worked in the last year, what works during COVID lockdowns, how do people respond. 
and you're right, it is a challenge because the world is disrupted. The world is, you know, mentally challenging, but that doesn't change what we do in terms of creating a brand and telling someone's story because everyone's got the same challenge in terms of thumbing through Facebook, but you've got to get to those people. And the tangible side is still important because the buyer's still buying something that's real. That's right, yeah, ultimately. But if everything they communicate with is unreal, you imagine going to a car showroom and jumping into a simulator. You'd be like, hmm... I think it could be good. Maybe. Here's 80 grand. Yeah. Now, we're going, give us a million dollars. So the tangi- tangible side is important. Buyers walking out of the sleigh with a bag, with a brand, the developer's brand, a brochure. It is important because it's, it's giving that person something that's real. That's a really important thing. And the more real things they can get in contact, buyers, we see them coming back to display several times to touch and feel and see the display before they make a decision. If they're investors, they'll make a decision based off financial information and locational benefits. But if someone's purchasing to live, then they really want to make sure they've got as much information as possible. I'd like to uh, get back into the the rare sphere and more a personal observation. Some of the rules that you've developed over time for running the business. One of the rules, going back to early 2000s, we did have some debt. One of the first things we did when I took over the accounting and financial side was deposits up front because you know it's off the plan and for whatever reason it's it can be a hairy industry. And if people want a creative service and a marketing service and they engage us and we do the work, then we should be paid for it. What happened at that point was, and probably being part of a bigger company, we didn't have that control on the accounts and you'd get a report and so on. So we made sure that we started getting deposits up front and really making sure you get paid for what you've done. Regardless of the outcomes, that's allowed us to survive through COVID, through lots of ups and downs in the market when, when clients maybe might go, well, hang on. We might sit on the market, might sit for three months, four months. Like we, we can talk to a developer and go, right, I'm going to use you. It's January and I'll, I'll come back to you in December. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. That's a long time. So yeah. it is because yeah. they've got to do their feasibility, talk to the architectural teams. And there's a whole process in, in the back that and we're often engaged quite early before, you know, a lot of the marketing could even start to get that brand. We have meetings recently and architects, oh, I really want to see the brand. I really want to understand what your vision is from your side, just so we understand as well. And other clients, like, I, we really want to get the creative process going because it just helps give the property a positioning. And it's not just a piece of dirt that we're going to come up with some ideas for to, to build. I wouldn't mind asking you another question about the key observations about business success. Business success... We worked very hard when we were when we were younger, going to going to meetings on Saturdays, going to display centres, making sure they were set up, working till 10, 10.30 at night, answering emails, and did get quite burnt out at that stage. You know, we both recognised we probably weren't looking after ourselves. We were just working. And I think that was probably that stage where in the mid-2000s, GFC, you know, where we weren't clear on our job roles, we were working long hours, crossing over into different paths. So I think... The success really came about from clarifying our roles, understanding both of our strengths, having our job descriptions, and we probably haven't looked at them for a long time. But in the back of your mind, it's like setting any goal. You know you've set it, and it's always there to go back to. I think that gave us a lot of surety and understanding of each other. I don't know many business partners that sit down and go, what's your role? This is what I think my role is, and, and, and actually talk about it. You get a job description, and you may not actually share it. Directors' meetings are really important. In the early days, we probably didn't even have a directors' meeting, didn't even know what a directors' meeting was. And then we meet every week there. We realise we need to be on the same page every week, especially as the world's got more dynamic and changes 
our whole team could be locked down next week. Mike, if I can end on, on one final question that's got to do with a career highlight. So do you have a, like a fondest memory that you've got to date of your journey building Rare? Rare in itself, I think. We never picked an agency of, we didn't call it Howie and Stuart. Rare gave us the ability to have a business that all our staff could be part of and feel proud of. And we know they're proud of it as well, which is great. That's probably the best thing is that we as a business, a branding business, have a brand that's really well known. People may not have used us, but they'll know of us and they'll know where we, where we sit in the market and how we stand. That's a fantastic thing. The genesis of that was having a meeting where we were like, this isn't going so well, we should take this over and do it ourselves. Without that conversation to try and run a business ourselves, we wouldn't be here today either. Mike, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic series of insights and stories. So I'm very much looking forward to sharing it. Pleasure. Thanks so much. This is the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed Mark's stories and the business insights that have been developed over the past 25 years. What struck me the most about this episode are the numerous but also actionable insights and lessons that Mark has shared over the course of his business building journey. For myself, the insight that stood out the most is paying for other people's brains. As you can see, that rule applies not just to the processes and decisions that get made within the business, but also the end result of engaging the brains of a company like Rare for a development's creative campaign. Mark, it has been an absolute privilege to record and share your stories and insights. Thank you also for being so generous with your time before and after the recording. To you, my listener, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. These conversations are ultimately made for you, so I sincerely hope you find them not only interesting, but also valuable in whatever pursuit you're currently undertaking. If this is the case, please take a second to rate the podcast on your favourite listening platform. Your support means a lot to me, but it also helps this podcast find new listeners. Well, that's it from me for this month. We've got a couple of very exciting recordings in the pipeline, so I look forward to sharing those with you in the coming weeks. Until then, all the best and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Business and Property Development. Join us next month for more insights from people whose business is property. To subscribe and listen to other episodes, head over to businessandpropertydevelopment.com.au.